everyone, and welcome to a special surprise end of the week episode of Mesoamerican Studies on Air. Today's episode is coming at a different time during the week because we have a special new announcement. We are bringing on a new co-host for a new iteration of the podcast. So please join me in welcoming Tony DeLuca. Hi, I'm Tony. You may know me from my social media account, Tlatelotl. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. So, all right. Well, you know what? I think a great place for us to start to get an idea of this like new dynamic, this duality that we're bringing to the podcast. Um, I think a really good place to start would just be like letting you talk about your history with public engagement with Mesoamerican topics um, and what led you to that. Uh, yeah, I think I might have mentioned it when I did the episodes, like uh, like how I got to West Mexico. Yeah. Uh, when I started my undergrad, I was interested in the Aztecs at first. And then because of my advisor, Marilyn Masson, who does post-classic Maya Pan, then I was like, oh, you know, post-classic Maya would be pretty cool. Like, you know, everyone always focuses on the classic Maya, maybe the pre-classic, but post-classic is where it's at. And then when I was doing a semester abroad in uh, Puebla, one of the professors mentioned how Purapecha is a language isolate in Michoacan. And I was like, that's weird. I want to know more. And then I kind of segued off into West Mexico and never looked back. So I have like this foundation of like central Mexico and the Maya and West Mexico. And I've always been like someone that's been on the internet a lot. So one of the things like I noticed was a lack of um, easily accessible information just on Mesoamerica in general. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, well, we have all this, this social media and like, we don't need to use it for like, you know, well, at the time it was like 2011. So it was like, oh, you know, here's all like the 150 photos I took a Friday night now I'm going <laughs> to upload to Facebook. Uh -huh. um, like we, we, we can use Facebook for more than that or Twitter or, or Tumblr or whatever. And so I wanted something that would help put out that information. And I started, you know, on Tumblr, uh, Tlatelotl, which is Nahuatl for history, because mm -hmm. I really like Nahuatl uh, as a language. It makes sense to my brain for, and for some reason, Spanish struggles, but Nahuatl, I got that down. Um, <laughs> and at the time I, when I started, it was just like, pop science news articles. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really do a lot with it for a while until 2013. So about like two years, just pop science articles. And then it was 2013 and I realized that a lot of museums have um, online collections of artifacts. Mm -hmm. and, and I learned this you know, because I started researching West Mexico and my advisor was like pulling examples from like the Los Angeles County Museum of Art for figurines from, from West mm -hmm. Mexico. Yeah. And I was like, maybe it's the text that isn't grabbing people's attention. Um, like why things aren't taking off. 
So like, what if I just start sharing these artifacts with the information? Like, what's the culture? What's the time period, the region? Mm-hmm. And then always source it, you know, because yeah. I'm trying to be a good academic. And I think that's when Tlatelotl really started taking off because social media is so visual. Yeah. That then when I interspersed like the pop science articles or like text or something, it, it you know, people would pause and read it because like they wanted more context from all the pictures they were right. they were seeing. And then throughout the years, I just off and on tried like different things as a way to help make some of that information accessible. Like I, mm-hmm. I was doing like a Nahuatl word of the week where I'd like use a random number generator to choose a page out of my Nahuatl dictionary. And then mm-hmm. I'd like count up the words and then randomly like choose one of those. Um, I was like drawing my glyphs like once a week. Uh-huh let people know you know what it is like what it is in Maya and then what what it, what what that means in English and Spanish um I started typing up sections of the Florentine Codex <laughs> which That's ambitious I think uh I have copyright issues I like nothing's ever been flagged but I was uh-huh. like who's gonna go to the library or like buy a copy of the Florentine Codex mm-hmm. um and they're sometimes hard to find yeah I've just like never really stuck with anything mm-hmm. too long other than the pictures and the pop science articles because I never like seemed to get enough feedback on whether I should keep doing it or not like mm-hmm. I, I I stopped those things and no one ever like messaged me and was like hey why don't why don't why aren't you doing word of the week anymore right yeah yeah but you know like I think it depends on like the time like maybe it just wasn't the right time or I didn't have like the right audience at the time to Mm -hmm. keep doing it but I still think about it like bringing it back once in a while and yeah I just want that that you know to make information more accessible to people so there's not like egregious like misconceptions like the one that annoys me the most is people that say Mesoamerica is in South America. And it's like, bro, Mexico's is part of NAFTA. The NA <laughs> in NAFTA is North America. Uh-huh. Like it's literally on our border. South America does not start at the Rio Grande. It doesn't start um, for a long time after the Rio Grande. <laughs> and then it was like other things like um, 2012 is when I like joined Reddit and at the time it was because I was really into scrubs and I read a mm-hmm. article uh interview with Zach Braff where he talked about you know how much he liked the community and interacting with them and it's like oh maybe I'll interact with Zach Braff and then because it was November 2012 everyone was ma- making like terrible jokes and spreading misinformation about the the doomsday that mm-hmm wasn't prophesized at all so i'd like if the maya didn't say that the world was going to end in 2012 if they did i didn't get the notice (laughs) because i'm still here (laughs) i've seen the uh jokes going around just a slight tangent uh 
saying, you know, maybe the world didn't end in 2012. I mean, has anything felt normal since then? And I'm like, you know, fair, fair enough. I mean, I still feel like I'm in high school sometimes. Like I've not matured mm-hmm. in <laughs> 10 years. Um, so maybe, maybe. Sorry. Um, but then like fighting people on Reddit um, led me to, to learn about Ask Historians, which is like mm-hmm. this huge, massive, like, you know, subreddit on, on Reddit. I guess their claim is like they're the largest history forum um, on the web. Hmm. And that was like a nice way where people who could, you know, either formally or informally what they've learned about history could answer people's questions about the past as long as, you know, it's well-cited and whatnot. And I was like, oh, this is great let me answer people's questions about Mesoamerica. But like the last couple years, I haven't done too much on Ask Historians because one, I'm busy. Mm-hmm. And two, the questions I do see are so specific now to other parts of Mesoamerica that I, I can't answer them. Like, mm. I don't know enough about central Mexico or the Maya anymore to answer it because I spent too much time on West Mexico. <laughs> you've, you've developed the tunnel vision that so many people have about other cultures. About... Yeah. But that's nice. And I think this is, you know, what, one, of my, uh, one of my favorite things about, um, about the Tlatolov channel is the, the how, how do I phrase this? The, the pure and unadulterated vengeance of West Mexico. Just We're going to vindicate <laughs> West Mexico and just bring it to the forefront of every conversation, which I think is so needed because people forget about West Mexico. They, or they never they learn do. about it. They do. I mean, I like in my undergrad, no one ever talked about it. Mm-hmm. And it was not like it was like my junior year. Like I said, mm-hmm. a semester abroad that the professor just offhandedly mentioned Parapecha was a language isolate. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. You know, like, and and since then, you know, I'll look through books where where they say, oh, um, you know, like like it's a book that's supposed to be on Mesoamerica. So I'll look in the index, you know, <laughs> do they have Jalisco, Nayari, or Kalima listed? Or look at their maps. And a lot of the times their maps like cut off at like Morelos uh-huh yeah um and so like when I do see West Mexico mentioned even if it's in passing I'm always pleasantly surprised uh-huh but it's I'm usually met with disappointment yeah and, yeah and and I, I am kind of a torchbearer because like I think it's such a neat region because after learning about central Mexico and the Maya like it is both a part of and not part of Mesoamerica. Mm-hmm. And it and it's this interesting, like, hey, that's similar, but that's not. Mm-hmm. And why? Yeah. Like, yeah. maybe there doesn't need to be a why. They just are, I don't know. They're just different. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it makes me think of, like, family reunions when you, like, meet. <laughs> <laughs> like family members that are like really far removed yeah but they're still like you're like oh there we have like these weird 
things in common that mm-hmm. we didn't, you know, that have been passed down. But that one family like, trait. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I don't, gosh, I don't even know that I remember learning anything about West Mexico in undergrad. Um, and, and legitimately the first time. So when I, when I started my master's, there was a, another student who was doing her thesis on West Mexico. And legitimately, I believe the field of West Mexico was so small that when I saw your account on Twitter for the first time, I assumed it had to be her because who else, <laughs> who else studies West Mexico? And then, you know, I, I really quickly realized uh, my mistake as I actually follow your account more. And I was like, it's bigger than this. It's it's not much bigger, but it is bigger than, you know, a single person. And <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a big geographic area too, that like, you know, at a you know, I, I'm kind of siding with Helen Pollard, um, who's advocating to split West Mexico into near West and far West. Mm-hmm. So, so near, near West would be Michoacan and like Southern Guanajuato because mm-hmm. they had more interaction with central Mexico. Yeah. And then far West would be Jalisco where, where I do my research, Nayarit and Colima, sometimes Southern Zacateca, sometimes Southern Sinaloa, like it depends kind of on the period mm-hmm. um, and the person. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, five states, four and a half states at a minimum, I guess, mm-hmm. five states. So it's a big, it's a big chunk of Mexico. And yeah. I, I think part of the reason it's ignored is um, the Olmec didn't have an influence really there. Interesting. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, there was that, that old idea that the Olmec is like the mother culture of Mesoamerica. We now know they're not, you know, because at a minimum, we can at least say like the Maya are a sister culture. Right. But that's like, that's for like what people know about Central and Eastern Mesoamerica. And they don't know like West Mexico has its, has two early formative cultures that had impacted the rest of the region, you know, all mm-hmm. the way up through to the, to the Epi Classic. And there's like a few Olmec objects that made their way out West, but they're very few and far between. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, is Guerrero considered part of West Mexico? I've had, I've had this like talk with my friend Cuauhtémoc. Guerrero is Guerrero. Guerrero. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I got a terrible American accent. That's um, fine. I can't can't roll my R's. We all have accents. Um, <laughs> but it is like this weird spot that it's not quite West Mexico. It's not Central mm-hmm. Mexico. And it's now Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. And it and what makes it harder to classify is because there's a lot of narco activity in Guerrero. There's not a lot of research. Oh, gotcha. Like it's it's one of the more dangerous states to be in that's not along the border. Mm-hmm. And so it's this weird, like. It's Guerrero. It's its own region. <laughs> that would be a really interesting topic for a podcast episode, I think. Yeah. Because it pulls in a lot. Of, I mean, you know, like narco activities. I mean, I because when, when you first say because of the narco activity, I was like, huh? How? 
And but yeah, it makes total sense. There was a few years ago, there was a news article how in Guerrero City, all the tortilla uh, vendors, they are part of the narco information network because they use them because, you you know, you you run tortillas to people's houses. So the narcos went to them and said, either you're also going to run information for us or we're going to do something. And either they forced the business to close, they've attacked people. Um, I think the article was on Vice. Mm. And so like, it's like half the tortilla shops in Guerrero City are closed because the ones that are open work for the narcos. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to talk about this more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but Guerrero's still included from time to time because it has like the, um, those, those, I, I say Olmec style cave paintings, but mm-hmm. they've actually been dated to predate the Olmec. Yeah. So what does that mean? What does the Olmec style mean if mm-hmm. it's all the way in Guerrero? Right. A couple hundred years before. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say Tututepec was in part mm-hmm. to Guerrero. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's it's like a blind spot for me too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that much about it. Sounds like we're gonna have to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and then share the information. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, for for our listeners, if this is something that you're interested in, absolutely let us know if we should do, uh, a bonus episode on how drug trafficking has affected Guerrero. Yeah. yeah, this is a good moment for me to, you know, talk a little bit about why we're doing this change. You know, Mesoamerican Studies yeah. Online and Mesoamerican Studies On Air have been going on for a few years now. Um, and the response has been fantastic. It's been so great for me to see that people are interested in learning more about Mesoamerica, especially from an academic perspective. And nothing makes me happier than getting feedback from people about the the friends, the colleagues that I get to interview. Um, And one of the things that I really wanted to do as this podcast, as this podcast moves into a new phase in its life was bring someone on who could um, switch up the dynamic a little bit, you know, and, and uh, I wanted to make sure that it was someone who had a different perspective from me, right? You know, someone who's not an art historian, someone who's not a Mayanist. Um, and I also wanted it to be someone who was already passionate about outreach for Mesoamerica. And so, um, Tony, your work has always, you know, it, it's always stuck out in my mind because you are very passionate about outreach. You are the Mesoamerican meme king. Um, and <laughs> I was really looking forward to someone who had similar goals and interests, but someone who had a different dynamic to mine because um, I, I am not a uh, let's wing it kind of person. I am, uh, I'm not a, a funny or humorous person. I'm very, very serious and very, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very by the book. I'm, you know, I, I, I have been described in the past as boring and I accept it. Um. <laughs> you say you're not funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, I love self-deprecating humor. Oh, but it, the best is when it's, you know, when I'm, I'm not afraid to be uh, frank about the fact that I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be funny. Um but that, but that, that's one of these things that I really, I really enjoy about this new life that we can breathe into the podcast is we can still have this academic 
foundation, right? And we can still provide information, but we can also do stuff that's a bit more fun, stuff, that, stuff that's a bit more casual and informal. And I think that's something that, that you in particular are well positioned to bring to the podcast. Well, thank you. I think it's, well, one, I think my humorous nature comes from, uh, you know, my, it's, it's, I think it's eight, the ADHD I have, you know, it's mm-hmm. not being able yeah. to regulate emotion. So instead of getting angry, like my brother does, I use humor uh, too much. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll be serious. And my friends will ask me, what's the punchline? What's the bit you're doing? And I was like, oh, that hurts. Because <laughs> I was trying to be serious. But then because it hurts, then I'll make jokes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's a vicious, a vicious cycle. Um, and that, I, just, I just like to laugh. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I've always kind of liked to laugh and, and I mean, I can be serious, um, but usually when I'm being serious, that's like me putting on like a facade for a bit and I just want to, you know, take that off, like get into comfy pajama pants kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and laugh and joke around. But I always like try to make, you know, because because if if anyone follows Tlatelolto, you'll know that I make memes, but I try to make them historically accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can laugh about situations in history and and you know, parts of Mesoamerican culture without you know misconstruing things or without like passing judgment, I guess, like mm-hmm. on things like demonizing them, like right. We know people produced, you know, like did sacrifice in Mesoamerica. And maybe, mm-hmm. yes, there was ritualistic cannibalism, but I'm not making memes that's like the Aztecs are like bloodthirsty cannibals that need to kill 10,000 people a year in order to eat dinner. You know, that, right. that's not, mm-hmm. I don't think that's funny. Right. Well, then I um, think, I think that the, the, and this is obviously, you know, me coming from, a very niche Mesoamericanist background as well, but like some of my favorite memes that you've <laughs> that you've made for Tlatola is um, like like the corn one, right? Like the it's these connections for these ways that that we can use the things we have in common to connect us, right? Um, and we can't really connect on. Uh, I mean, maybe, but, you know, we we can't make the same connections about human sacrifice as we can about, you know, the kid who loves corn and the Mesoamericans who also love corn. Yeah. As, yeah, this, it's it's humor, but it's also connective humor. Yeah. It's it's trying to, like, it's, it's actually kind of subversive what I do because I want people to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think you can, you can learn through laughing Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. like, it's like trying to tap in the, into those like lowest common denominators people mm-hmm. have that you can relate to and, and connect with, like, right. you know, not, not to go too much on this tangent, but everyone poops. So like <laughs> everyone poops. You might deny it, but everyone poops. And I was talking about this with friends and 
you know, no one's really researched waste management mm. in Mesoamerican cities. Mm-hmm. Like imagine Teotihuacan, 200,000 people at its height. How are you removing the waste of 200,000 people mm-hmm. every day? Every day. Th- that by itself is like a monumental undertaking of labor if you're trucking it out of the city. Oh, yeah. But it, it affords opportunities where you can make jokes, like poop jokes about Teotihuacan. <laughs> like you can, right? you know, you can confuse the two and maybe a joke might lead people into, you know, learning more about a topic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, you know, why is there a meme about a couple of Aztec emissaries trying to to find sanctuary in Tsin San during the Spanish invasion? And it was because the Aztecs were so desperate to fight off the Spanish that they sought help from their rivals, the Perpetua, like, mm-hmm. and the Perpetua just told them to jog on, mm-hmm. jog off, whatever the British <laughs> thing is, because because they were not willing, yeah, <laughs> to uh, to do that alliance. They're like, it's a ploy, it's a bit. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what uh, what this new collab means for the podcast. What are some of the ideas that? Uh, that you've had well I mean I like I really like the interviews you have with other researchers about their work um but I thought kind of bringing in a little bit more of my own like flavor I guess Mm -hmm. and have have segments where we talk about Mesoamerica when it pops up in uh the media like usually like Sometimes there's like a pop science article that, you know, makes the rounds. It gets picked up by like even like the larger news sources. Like it'll show up on like Associated Press. And usually like pop science articles, they they try to summarize the research, but they almost always inevitably get something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, no, no fault for the writer, because they are journalists, but I thought, you know, hey, we could, we could talk about this, we could talk about, like, the context of what the research means, um, you know, broader uh, research for, for Mesoamerica, we could talk mm-hmm. about what might be wrong with the article, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's, like, maybe it's uh, perpetuating, like, some of those stereotypes or myths that are, mm-hmm. are wrong, like Olmec being Mother culture. Mother culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like what we like about it, because you know, you don't want to just bash everything all the time. Oh, yeah. And especially because I feel like a lot of the, you know, the pop science articles that come out are a great way to make this academic research accessible. Yeah. 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 They're nice and like digestible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then in the same vein, Mesoamerica in the media, where we kind of do something you know, similar, like, what's the context, what's good, what's bad, you know, because, like, Black Panther is coming out soon, and yep. it's got this whole culture that they're trying to base it on Mesoamerica, but already from the trailer, I can see it's a mishmash of mm-hmm. cultures and periods. Right. You know, and whether there's justification behind that, because sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes you mishmash, and there's a little bit of justification. 
Right. Um, like the Aztec Empire comic, you know, mm-hmm. the authors talk about like, we don't have a lot of surviving murals from Tenochtitlan. So we're going to borrow mural styles from central Mexico, mm-hmm. but they may be earlier, right. like, te- like from Teotihuacan. Mm-hmm. But they make sure to justify that and they, you know, they put sources in their comics. So yeah, and it makes me think also about um one of the one of the topics that you and I have talked about covering is uh Maya and the three, right? And that I mean that's a great example of creating something that is a mishmash of different cultures while still alluding to the differences between them and to the fact that people today might identify with multiple cultures from the ancient world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah it, it, it's I'm really interested and really looking forward to seeing how the Mesoamerican cultures in the next Black Panther movie are represented see like you know like is this something that's like what were the creative liberties behind it I think I, I, I'm curious I'm really curious right or like did you watch Eternals I haven't watched Eternals yet there is a scene for the fall of Tenochtitlan where, mm. uh, but like the, the pyramids that they have, one, there's way too many for downtown <laughs> Tenochtitlan. And uh-huh. two, the ones in the background, they all look like the Castillo from Chichen Itza. Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's one, there's one that has, or I'm looking at an image, maybe there's two that has like the twin temples on top. Uh-huh. But the rest all look like the Castillo. Yeah, and that even, makes sense. Well, and even the twin temple ones look more like it's just a wide Castillo with a double staircase. Mm. Like mm-hmm. it's got too many tiers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> there's definitely a lot to talk about in that area. What was your first introduction to Mesoamerica in the media? Like the fir- the earliest memory of Mesoamerica that you remember? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I really, this is embarrassing. I didn't really like know a lot about Mesoamerica until I chose to study it. Uh-huh. And that was in height. That was in high school. A friend of me, a friend of mine gave me 1491 by Charles Mann for my birthday, mm. like sophomore year. Uh-huh. And I was like, why don't they teach us this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what inspired me. You know, out of all the sections, I was most interested in a section on Mesoamerica. Mm. Um, but nothing really stands out from before that, other than, you know, catching episodes of like ancient aliens or something <laughs> uh-huh it's not good yeah well you know yeah i'm trying to remember i i know that from a very young age um we watched the road to el dorado in my house oh and uh so that that for me i think but for me it's it's weird because i so when i was like two we moved to mexico and so like, you know, like, like I lived in Mexico as a young child. And so I probably was exposed to it there. But like the earliest actual memory that I have is like my youngest sister was obsessed with the road to El Dorado. We had the VHS and um, 
my older, my, I'm the oldest, but the sister right after me, between me and this youngest sister, would, um, the two of us would hide the VHS because she would want to watch it like multiple times a day. And back before streaming, if you hid the VHS, nobody could watch it. But it's so funny because I got so exposed to that movie at a young age that I can quote it like start to at least 20 minutes in at this point. I don't know that I could do the whole thing, but um, that's another great example of a mishmash of very inaccurate things with a few accuracies. Um, But yeah, I think that's, that, that's the earliest exposure I think that I had to it in like a pop culture sense. I mean, I remember watching it, but I, it never like, grab my attention at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah like like uh like emperor's new groove as well uh-huh yeah for the inca like i i liked it but like i never never made the connection like yeah i i, I could look more into this culture and mm-hmm. study it yeah yeah hmm. did you ever watch apocalypto i'm curious i did yeah. I don't think it's all that terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not all that great, but like <laughs> I mean, they put a lot of work uh in in into to recreating a lot of things. And, uh-huh. You know, maybe they exaggerated the human sacrifice way too much. Mm-hmm. Um but the costumes are just gorgeous. Yeah. You know, and and like just like little things that you wouldn't normally pick up a lot, like like the women had their their teeth stained red. Yeah. Uh huh. Because you know, that that was that was beauty, or like some of the body paint designs and stuff. Just th- there's a lot wrong with it, but again, there's just a lot right with it as well. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know people get confused about the Spanish at the end, but I think that's because people forget, like, there's post-classic Maya. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, uh-huh. <laughs> it, it took 40 years for the Spanish to get a foothold near Merida. Like, mm-hmm. they, the Maya did, you know, did not go willingly and still do not go willingly. They still resist. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there was a brief Maya state in the 1800s, you know, like... Yeah. They're 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 there. They they're always fighting. They're always resisting. Like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. The end should not be that confusing, but that's a you know a thing or two. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People who, like you said, like aren't aware that there was a post-classic Maya world, um, and that's that's the total irony of it for me is that like. People will go to Chichen and be like, "Oh yeah, you know, like this is." this is the Maya without realizing that this is like the end, you know, like the, like, excuse me, you know, this is like a very late period in the ancient Maya world. Um, And there's so much more. There's so much more. I know. Yeah. And, and, you know, if people wanted to beat the crowds, they could go to Mayapan. Right. And, and they get to climb the Castillo there. Mm-hmm. It's a very different experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more condensed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm most excited about for some of our upcoming projects and interviews 
are the the informal interviews, like being able to talk with people who are taking research that's been done for Mesoamerica. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is all over the place. Uh, but people who are taking research that's been done in Mesoamerica and turning it into this brand new futuristic or just like a like a renaissance of Mesoamerican culture, right? Um, oh. I'm really excited for our upcoming teaser. Um, I guess it's not really even a teaser. It's a full-fledged interview that we're doing with uh, Daniel Parada uh, from Zilt's comic. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite things about how far Mesoamerican studies as a field has gotten is seeing all the fantastically creative things that people can do. Just like, I just love seeing all of the creative things that people do with the research that's been done. You know, like now we've got people who can, um, who, who take Maya glyphs. I'm thinking of the work of Walter, uh, Walter Pasco, who I'm hoping we can convince to come do an interview with us. Um, you know, who, who's taking this, this Maya, this ancient classic Maya art style and creating something brand new. Um, and then we have stuff like the Sots comic, right? Um, and Maya and the Three, there was also Onyx Equinox, all of these things that are just like re-envisioning a Mesoamerican world in a much different way than anyone was years ago. Mm -hmm. We had, um, there's also, uh, she goes by Mona Robot. She, yeah. she, got popularity because she like mayanized Pokemon mm -hmm. and like that was her that was her shtick was like mayanizing things and for the Crichton Crichton it's a movie collection mm -hmm. of Godzilla mm -hmm. movies she did the cover for the Godzilla movie collection so that's like out on box artwork uh -huh. and she had like she had like stuff on display at a Guillermo del Toro art exhibit nice. as well. Like, yeah, you know, this, this, uh, it kind of makes me think of Diego Rivera a little bit, mm. you know, in the 1930s where he pulled a lot from Mesoamerica, him and Frida yeah. Kahlo and, and, you know, it's had an influence on art and pop culture. And there's, I don't know why, but it's, there's another, fluorescence right yeah it comes in these moments of i guess you could say renaissance right where yeah. this this information is coming it's being publicized um and people are doing amazing things with it yeah yeah well i mean i remember like back in undergrad um marilyn masson was saying like at the time that because like Game of Thrones was coming out that mm -hmm. someone really should look at um I think it was like Martin Grubes or or um yeah um, I'm in Martin and Nicolai like the, uh -huh. yeah their reconstruction of like Maya politics based off all the inscriptions and like all the battles and like who's dying and who's marrying and all mm -hmm. you know, the alliances would be just as interesting if you could fictionalize it a little because right. obviously we don't know their conversations but mm -hmm. maybe yeah i have a yeah a friend a friend of mine who uh works in the movie industry and he's currently trying to he's toying with the idea of uh doing something you know like dos pilas or tikal um and i i mean mm, 
especially if you could get like a team up. Imagine if you could get these people to team up and create like this amazing, I mean, Game of Thrones-esque. I don't know. I mean, oh, there's so many options, right? Like, I mean, there's so many stories you could look at. Um, but then also I'm like, would you have it animated or would you have it live action? Because some of the work animators are doing would be gorgeous to see on screen, but also being able to do it live action now that we know so much more about these cultures. Porque no los dos. Porque no los dos. <laughs> this is the question. It's, uh, you know, taking me back to my El Dorado days, both, both. Yeah, it depends on the story, you know, Absolutely. you can have like the main, you know, T-Call, Colic, Mool conflict be live action and a lot of the smaller stories could be, mm -hmm. you know, animated. Right. Yeah, it'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a biopic on Pakal would probably be best. You know, yeah, I feel like. With the publicity that Pakal's had forever since the 90s, I say forever and then qualify it as the 90s, but you know. <laughs> I mean, he's got anniversary dates that go off like thousands of years in the future. So mm -hmm. like, Pakal is forever. Pakal is forever. <laughs> it's so true though. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, if we're looking for a candidate, you know, that's already well known in the public sphere, Bacall's a great one. And his name is so easy. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken in like, you know, like um, conferences for the general public, right? Or like even just talking to my poor husband as I tour him around these Maya sites, trying to like say the word and like have people remember that. There's a reason that people still call him 18 Rabbit, right? Like it's a terribly inaccurate name, but like, but who else is going to say that whole name and understand what you're talking about if you're not like a Mayanist or a Mesoamericanist, right? Pakal is easy. It, it is. It, it is. It's short and it's sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think Pakal would be a great candidate. And I think there's enough drama there that you could make a really nice live action something. Yeah. And with makeup nowadays, you know, you can age people. Oh, and, yeah. and not have it look terrible right yeah cool okay so we've got um we'll have to go soon because we have a fantastic interview coming up um are we missing anything anything that we want to tell people if you don't like having me on let me know <laughs> no i'm serious i'm serious like it's good feedback because i don't want to disrupt what you're doing I, it's it's fantastic what you're doing and maybe the energy I bring it's not right I and, mean you know, it's yeah. we, we could do something else that's separate you True. know yeah maybe you know so like let me know I'm not opposed to criticism yeah well I won't deny anyone feedback if they're interested in it so uh so yeah, the, the channels are open if people absolutely don't like this idea. Um, and I'll clarify here too, that we're still going to maintain the academic interviews that we've been doing at, at Mesoamerican Studies on Air. Uh, we're just going to be complementing them with other episodes. Um, yeah. 
so so the you know the the layout of the interviews the dynamic of the interviews themselves that we've been doing will be uh will be the same still be the same you know same same format same you know quality of interviewees who have been fantastic so far um but yeah we're just we're just going to mix it up we're going to complement it with a little bit of mesoamerican duality old style yeah. it's it's and that's for like for anyone that's been to a conference it's like going to presentations all day and then you go meet up with people at a bar restaurant afterwards yeah. and you still talk shop mm-hmm. but it's not you know it's it's less formal it's yeah. not one person to a bunch it's it's a conversation yeah and i like that but yeah if we if we you know if it absolutely ruins everything we'll figure out a way to make it work but i don't, I don't think it will i'm i i'm an internal optimist <laughs> But yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to our next episodes. Like we mentioned, our next episode is going to be with Zilt's comic with uh, Daniel Parada and Luis Fogarty. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a great time. And yeah, see you in the next episode. See you later.